Welcome to the Notes from a Scottish Author podcast. I'm Barry Hutchison, aka JD Kirk, and in each episode I'll be talking about life, writing, and the ups and downs of being a full-time author and publisher in the Highlands of Scotland. And probably some other stuff too. I hope you'll join me. Good afternoon. It is Friday, yes, the 26th of June 2020. This is Notes from a Scottish Author. What was supposed to be a live stream episode, unfortunately my internet has died a death. Um, So I am recording this and will upload it as soon as I possibly can. Some point today, I may have to take it home to upload it. Um, My concern over this whole... Um, notes from a Scottish author thing is that I've only been able to remember which episode we're on because of the date. If I check the date then I know today for example is the 26th, therefore it is episode 26. Come next month, I'm screwed. I mean I really don't know how I'm going to I'm gonna keep on track so we need to try and figure out a system. Possibly just looking at the, the number of the day before, maybe that'll do it. Maybe that's all I need to do. Anyway, uh, despite not being a live stream, I'm going to make this still Friday q and I've had lots of questions asked uh, in comments on YouTube, so I will answer some of those and then we'll try and do a live stream as soon as possible, maybe over the weekend or early next week and we can have another extra bonus session doing that. hope that's okay with everyone. Uh, a live stream would be unwatchable as I can't even get uh, web pages to load at the moment. So first thing I want to mention, which I forgot to mention yesterday, is that the seventh DCI Jack Logan novel is now available to pre-order. It is called The Big Man Upstairs. And uh, if you go to uh, mybook.to slash DCI Logan 7, you will uh, it will take you to your local Amazon where you can pre-order it on Kindle. It will also be available on paperback at the same time and audio will be coming soon. We actually were quite far behind with audio because uh, the studio where the narrator Angus King records has been shut because of coronavirus but it's all reopened. Angus is recording the books 4, 5 and 6 back to back throughout July and uh, yeah so they should start coming soon and then he'll be working on book seven when it is available too so lots of audio to come in the not too distant future but without any further ado let's get cracking on the old uh, questions here we go some of the questions that came up were regarding the video I made earlier in the week about aphantasia the condition I have where I am unable to see mental images and I think exclusively in words. A lot of people seem to be quite interested in that. I may do another video about that at some point. I've still got 74 to fill so uh, yeah I might, I might do that again. Uh, so here we go. Kenneth McIntosh regarding aphantasia asks do you dream? Yes I do dream. Um, I think I, th- I, th- I can't be sure but I think I see images in my head when I dream. I think I remember seeing the images without actually being able to recall the images themselves. So I think I remember in the dream, in fact I remember after discovering I had this aphantasia thing, 
at some point within the, the next couple of weeks, I remember in my dream being aware that I was dreaming and taking note of the fact that I could see things. So it was like a, a lucid dream thing where I, I knew I was dreaming and I was aware of the fact that I was seeing stuff. That has only happened one time. Um, but generally, if I have a dream, I remember... Can it, I don't remember it visually, but I, rem, I remember there was a visual element to it. So um, yes, I do dream and I think I see images in my dreams. He also asks... With such a poor memory, how do you keep character continuity in your books? I don't, uh, mostly. Uh, certainly not character description. Uh, key elements of character description I will remember. Logan is tall. Uh, uh, Tyler has nice hair. You know, there are certain things that I will remember. Uh, but for me, it's more about um, the continuity is more in the character traits themselves and their personalities rather than how they look. So it's nothing visual. It's how they think, how they feel. And I can do all that okay. But in some of my space team books, for example, there are characters who, who grow and shrink a foot and, and all kinds of stuff between books. So I really should have like a database of character information that I can refer to, but uh, I don't. And I'm too lazy to do it now. If I'd started at the time, it would have been fine. But having to now comb through, you know, 12 space team books, three spin-offs, sidekicks, six uh, DCI Logan books, and make a note of all the key character traits would take ages and who has time for that? Not me, that's for sure. Uh, so there we go. Thanks for those questions, Kenneth. Uh, let's see who else we've got. Uh, someone's asking about my new guitar. I might do a bit about that later on. Um, here we go. I know there's loads of questions in here. I'm just scrolling through these other comments. Uh, Carla Baker. Yeah, this was regarding um, when I said I'm making notes on non-fiction books that I read. Um, so I don't instantly forget the contents. When I find something interesting in a non-fiction book or in a podcast or audiobook, wherever it may be, I'm writing it down in a, a nice notebook that I've got. Uh, Carla says, didn't you explain earlier that you have thousands of notebooks with only a few pages of notes in each? That is absolutely true. Yes, I have uh, countless notebooks, most of which are almost empty. And uh, I like buying a new notebook for a new thing. So if I'm doing something new... I buy a new notebook, um, or in this case, I was given this new notebook. I have, I have, yeah, dozens which are have stuff in them, but I have an equal number that have nothing in them, and I and they're such nice notebooks that I can't think of anything good enough to put in. So I, I it needs to be. I go like this is a, this notebook is for something really special, and then I never think of anything that special to put in it, and it stays unused forever. So yes, I have a massive assortment of notebooks. Um, do, 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 do. people comment on my glasses saying they make me look like a hipster not an old man, that's nice uh, I feel like an old man with them on but I feel like an old man most of the time anyway so that's fine I tried, I was um, my my fitness quest I was out hammering the punch bag in the garage last night uh, Rocky soundtrack in my ears gloves on feeling like king of the world Ooh, that was my Rocky impression um, but I'm so so sore today. I was doing. I decided rather than just wallop it, I would you know do the old dodge, pretend it is hitting me back. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. God, I'm in pain. Such such pain. Um, so 
Aruda10, presumably not a real name, asks, can you expand on how you found your foreign rights agent, please? Um, yeah, we've signed with a foreign rights agent this month, this week uh, who is going to be handling foreign language rights for our books published here at Zertex Media. So, uh, And we found that through the Alliance of Independent Authors, of which we are a member, um, great organisation. I will share a link to it in the comments to this video. You can join up. It's actually remarkably cheap for what they offer, and there's loads of information about publishing and and um, discounts on services like printing and and links to people like the um, uh, foreign rights agents and various other people. So there's loads of really good information there, um, all exclusive to members of the Alliance of Independent Authors. I will share the link in the comments. Uh, what is this one? Is there a question on this one? No, that's just saying nice things. Thanks very much, Jack D. Uh, uh, hang on. More of the area. Yeah, there's photographs. People, Jack D is asking about uh, photographs of the area where I live. Yes, there's loads on Facebook. I post them on Facebook all the time. Go to facebook.com slash jdkirkbooks and I, I regularly post photographs when I've been out walking and all that stuff. Jack D with more questions. Uh, one, does writing energise or exhaust you? Uh, a bit of both, really. Um, it really depends what I'm writing. Sometimes, like, so with, again, no spoilers, don't worry, but writing um, the sixth DCI Logan book um, was quite an exhausting process at points. So a lot of really tense, dramatic stuff happens and you're kind of, as you're writing it, Hopefully, as you're reading it, it's the same thing. But as you're writing it, you're really sort of invested emotionally in what's happening. So you, you, yeah, you. It, it does get quite tiring to maintain that level of emotional intensity for a long period of time. So yeah, but it's also I love it. You know, it is if I if I'm not writing, I I I get miserable and depressed, and I and I, I writing for me is a hugely energizing process but sometimes it is simultaneously exhausting which is probably the most cop-out answer um i've ever given for anything two have you ever had writer's block no i don't believe in writer's block i think writer's block is just um it's just kind of i wouldn't say laziness but it's just um i think writing is like anything else you've got to just commit to doing it i mean you get you know you can have joggers block in the sense of going, oh, I can't go out and jog today because I'm lying in bed and it's comfortable and warm. Writer's block, if you can't think of what to write next, you haven't planned it out properly or or you've you've done something wrong generally. is I've reached points when I go, ooh, I'm struggling here and it's because something is wrong earlier on and my brain is going, stop, 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 you're wasting time. You need to fix that bit first before the rest can make sense. So I've never got to the stage when it's just like, I cannot write, it's impossible to write. My children being able to eat depends on me being able to write. So I, you know, I, I cannot afford writer's block in the same way that a surgeon can't afford surgeon's block or whatever it may be. Writer's block is an excuse for just not cracking on and getting it done. It's very easy to go, oh, I don't, I'm not inspired, I don't have the muse today. Bollocks to that. If you are a professional writer then you sit down and you write, regardless of whether you feel like it or not. Uh, often I don't. You know, as I say, I love writing and I, I can't think of anything else I'd love to do. But there are some days when I cannot be bothered. But tough luck. I have bills to pay, children to feed, a house to keep, 
and I have readers waiting to read those books. If I've made that commitment to a reader saying this new book will be out in three months' time or whatever, then I have to fulfil that commitment. That is that is part of my job. Um, so there we go. What's your favourite novel um, ooh, that I've read or that I've written? I don't know. Um, ooh, I don't know. I've re- I read so much. I, I, it's, it's all become a bit of a blur. I don't remember it afterwards. But um, so it's really hard for me to kind of say what my favourite novel is. I loved um, I loved Pratchett growing up. I used to love... I was introduced to Terry Pratchett's books when I was about 12 by a friend of my mum's. And because she was a friend of my mum's, I immediately discounted it and was like, I'm not reading that. It's obviously going to be old lady stuff. And then um, I was bored. I used to read loads voraciously as a kid. Uh, I was bored one night and I, and I picked it up. And the first one I read was... It was called Moving Pictures. And it's kind of a... A Hollywood sort of pastiche, and I remember just being blown away by it and going, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" And then when I finished it within a, a night, basically went round to my mum's friend's house and said, "Are there more of these?" And she kind of took me to her bookshelves, and there were dozens of them up there, and it was like, "Ah, brilliant!" So um, yeah, so Pratchett was 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 a huge, huge kind of um, inspiration for me. Um, uh, I also met him. I was I was in a play. I was in two plays, two Terry Pratchett plays. I played um, Corporal Carrot and then Captain Carrot, and I had to dye my hair orange. So before that, I had to bleach it because it's dark. My hair's dark, so I had to bleach it so it was like almost white. And then I got this iron brew orange hair dye. Um, pop that in and. I played Carrot in these two plays and uh, Terry Pratchett was, was doing a book signing in Aberdeen where I was living at the time, came along and um, yeah, good got to meet him then and got book signed, the script signed and all that stuff and it was it was good fun. Uh, so there we go. Love these podcasts, says Cathy Burns. What I really like is your Scottish accent. Well, thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Um, Sheena Baxter, have you done any book signings and where? I've done hundreds of book signings. Um, I remember one at the Edinburgh International Book Festival, and I think it was about my fifth or sixth year there. And I was doing a book signing of my kids' books, and this little girl came up. Uh, she was about ten, I think. She handed me this book, and I said, "All right, what's your name?" And she kind of looked at me like, and then said, "I was here last year." And she expected me to remember her name from the previous year. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, memory's terrible. And she looked really offended that I didn't remember her name one year later, despite having signed 2,000 books in that time. Probably more. Um, it'd be good if you go up to Inverness, says Sheena. Yeah, once bookshops are open, I know the guys in Waterstones in Inverness... We'll sort out something. Uh, we'll do a, a session. I might try and get another couple of Highland authors to come along and we'll do like a Highland crime night or something. Uh, do some signing there. So yeah, watch out for that, Sheena. Uh, Sheena again. Uh, how do you work out how many books to print or put on Kindle, which I prefer? Okay, so Kindle's fine. Kindle is an unlimited number. I upload one file to Amazon and potentially, you know, 7 billion people could buy that book. I don't need to upload any other files. That's done. And once I upload it, 
people can keep buying it. Amazon just sends them a copy of that file. So that's fine. Print books, um, it depends. Print books, we do a variety of things through my publishing company. We Mostly we do what's called print on demand, which means that if you order a book from Amazon or whatever else provides it, you click order now, that one copy of that book is then printed through a magic printing machine, which is a printer, I suppose, um, and then is sent to you in the post. So they just print one. For bookshops, we need to get print runs done. So if we go, okay, we want to sell in bookshops, which we do. So for the first, the first space team and the first three J.D. Kirk books are currently in bookshops. Um, the other J.D. Kirk books would, would have been there had the coronavirus not happened uh, so we need to get those printed but we need to go right we want to get x number of copies printed so we have to figure out how many of those are likely to sell in bookshops over what period of time because they have to be warehoused uh, at the distributors and the distributor charges for storing the books they charge for packing the books they charge for sending the books they charge for getting the books sent back to them if they're returned um, they charge for invoicing for the books, so all that stuff gets charged. And ultimately what we're left with is a tiny amount of money at the end. Uh, so again, of that eight ninety nine print book, say, that goes out, because we're we're doing quite short print ones of about a thousand, uh, we're making you know, 50 pence or something per book. If we did 10,000, we'd probably make about a pound, pound 50 per book. Um, but we don't want to to kind of commit to huge amounts of stock at the moment. So it's difficult, it's difficult to judge. It's, that's the side of it, the, the print side is the side that we're growing at the moment. Uh, Danny Lutz, or Danny Lutz, last summer before your accident, it seemed that the publication of all the President's Spacemen was imminent. That's the 13th um, Space Team book. I think I remember sometime in October as a projected date. Is that book finished on the back burner? Um, so yes, last summer, I can't actually remember the date, I think around about August, uh, my son and I were down in Glasgow seeing uh, Nick Offerman, who uh, was Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation, doing stand-up. Uh, we were driving back up the A82, it was dark, we turned a corner, I suddenly became aware of something on the road in front of us, uh, we hit it immediately the airbags deployed horns started blaring interior lights came on uh, which meant all we could see in the side windows was our own reflections so we were kind of you know ah, screaming and then I said it's alright so I calmed my son down said it's okay we're fine and then we hit something else and it, it occurred to me at that point that we were still moving I had thought we had stopped uh, the other thing we hit turned out to be a road sign. The road sign ripped the uh, brake pipes out from under the car, so suddenly the brake went all the way to the floor. Uh, and then we eventually shuddered to stop. Uh, couldn't see what was going on outside. car was filled with smoke. <clears throat> and I told my son, wait a second while I look out. And I was convinced I was going to open the door. We were going to be in the middle of the road. There was going to be headlights coming towards us, and our time was up. Instead, the car had come to a stop in a lay-by um, at the side of the road, completely by some miracle. Uh, <clears throat> the car was utterly destroyed. It turns out what we'd hit was a cow that had been standing in the middle of this uh, the road. It had wandered two miles from the farm, swam across the river, uh, and then we'd hit it. It died instantly. 
the because had it been one step to the left, we've since found out we would have been killed because it, it when we hit it, it it went that way over the car and partially collapsed the roof. Had it come that way on top of us, we would have been crushed. So just by chance, we managed to escape, and it was a very uh, not a pleasant experience all round. I ended up in a neck brace and wrists, all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, quite unpleasant. Um, at that point, getting back to Danny's question, at that point, no, all the President's Spacemen, the 13th Space Team book, had not been written. It was certainly planned to be next on my agenda. Um, after the accident, though, I kind of thought, right, I need to. I wasn't really feeling much in the mood for comedy. Or well, partly I was. Partly I wanted that kind of that escapism that Space Team offers. But I didn't know if I could do it at that point. And and kind of more so than that, I became very aware of my own mortality, um, and I wanted to be. I thought I want to to have have as much money available as possible for my family. Should another cow hit me tomorrow, uh, and the crime fiction at that point, and still at this point, massively outsells Space Team. So from a financial point of view, I focused on the crime fiction at that point um, I still absolutely do intend to write all the President's Spacemen and many more Space Team books um, so don't worry it is all coming but yes that cow changed the direction of my publishing trajectory shall we say um, your old pal Marcus says hi Barry as a new-ish author with no real reader base I'd love a video on how you found your audience for your favourite genres thank you uh, for your various genres thank you sorry not favourite um, I've just realised that's not a question for today that's a video yes I'll do that it's a good idea I will do a video on that um, let's see Lisa Harshberger I've been enjoying this series of videos thanks very much uh, who were your biggest influences as far as humorous sci-fi goes? I mean, it's got to be Douglas Adams, isn't it? I loved Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, growing up. Uh, read those, gained quite young. Read them many times since. Loved those. Um, Red Dwarf, the TV series. Adored Red Dwarf. Was was obsessed with Red Dwarf for quite some time. Um, read the books, the audiobooks. If you haven't heard the Red Dwarf audiobooks narrated by Chris Barry, who plays Rimmer in the series, you've, you haven't lived. I heartily recommend you go and listen to those. Those are fantastic. Um, so yeah, do that. Listen to those audiobooks. They were a big inspiration because um, I read those books um, again when I was really young. I think I was in high school. I think I was maybe about 13. I read the Red Dwarf books. And fantastic. Um, and but the audiobooks I only discovered maybe about a couple of years ago. Uh, even better, really. really and and um, Chris Barry does an amazing impression of all the characters. So he does the voices for all the characters and absolutely nails them all. So um, yeah, those were a big inspiration. And as I say, Douglas Adams and Pratchett too. The comedy Pratchett's comedy, but not just comedy. I, I'd hate to write books that were nothing but joke after joke after joke after joke. All the books I write have a legitimate plot. Often it's a bizarre plot, but it's a legitimate story that does make sense and could be told without humour for the most part. But for me, what sets them apart, makes them that bit different to other books, other sci-fi or crime stuff, is the humour element. Um, I think I mentioned that the 12th Space Team book 
recently, or the audiobook recently won the Independent Audiobook Award for humour. Um, and that's that's always been the kind of driving force for me. So, um, yeah, I like everything to be funny, if at all possible. And I think that a lot of that came from Pratchett, is that his stories are proper, real stories. Um, I mean, a lot of Pratchett is actual. A lot of Pratchett is actually proper literature, just disguised with orcs and and you know all that stuff, golems and trolls and dwarfs and all them. Um, so yeah, so that those were kind of key. Um, some some Neil Gaiman short stories are like those, but they were came a bit later. Um, but yeah, I would say in terms of the the comedy sci-fi stuff. Um, Pratchett, Douglas Adams and Grant and Naylor who did um, Red Dwarf. So yeah um, that's kind of it for questions I can probably scroll back and find more but I also don't want to bore the backsides off yet uh, as I say, sorry it's not a live stream hopefully we'll get that sorted soon um, but for now I shall say goodbye I shall be back tomorrow and I may talk about um, whatever that suggestion was, finding an audience uh, if you have other suggestions for videos you'd like me to do, things you'd like me to talk about, leave them in the comments um, and I shall I shall probably do them because, God, I've got 74 more episodes to go and uh, and I really need I really need more content. So, yeah, do that. Leave a suggestion below and I will do my best to make a video about it. Okay, cheers for now. Thanks for listening or watching whatever you've done. We're on YouTube, or I'm on YouTube, there's no one else involved. I'm on YouTube, I'm also on your local favourite podcast player thing in whatever region, device, slash gadget you use. Um, you find me on there. Notes from a Scottish author, subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, do all that stuff. Uh, let me know in the comments what you want me to see and we will go from there. Thanks for now, bye bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Notes from a Scottish Author. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends, if, unlike me, you actually have any. You can find more information about the show at scottishauthor.com. <laughs>